see all your faces. Would you stand with us? Let's worship together.
Ah, North Point, will you pray with me? God, help us to know that. Help us to feel that. Help us to recognize that you are the great I am. You am. You are everything we need, everything we hope for, everything we could desire, and so much more in the midst of anything that we go through. God, help us not lose sight of how amazing you truly are. And North Point said, Amen. North Point, have a seat. Settle in. Thanks for being here this morning. If you are a guest with us this morning, we'd like to say a special welcome. We'd ask you to do two things. If you're in person with us, if you would uh, text the keyword guest to the phone number 833-CHAT-NCC right now, that would be super cool. You just get a little ping back, tell a little more about who we are, and then uh, just that kind of stuff. It's really helpful for us to know that you are here with us this morning. If you are watching online, uh, if you are watching church at home, then you can text that same keyword guest to 833-CHAT-NCC and let us know you were there as well. Um, uh, if you are in person with us this morning, we'd ask you to grab that book, that little black book that's on the side of the pews. Just let us know you're here. Get your name down there. If any of your info has changed, let us know that. Pass it on to the person next to you, and that helps us out a ton. If you're a guest, the other thing that we would want you to do today is an event we call Second Sunday because it happens on the... We are so creative. Uh, second Sunday of every month, and so that's for folks that are, are new-ish to North Point. Maybe it's your first week. We'd love to have you there this morning. Maybe you've been around for a couple of months, and you're just like, yeah, I think this is the church for me. It's 10 minutes in between services right after this service in the room right in the corner. You'll see the signs. Uh, there's cookies if that helps you get there, so cool. And, uh, and just for a few minutes, talk about who we are and kind of next steps, that kind of stuff. Love to have you join. No need to like let us know you're coming. Just show up. We're ready for you. That's a cool thing. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention is that the uh, paintings that are back here, we've got three of them kind of sitting around. Today's the last day to put in a, a bid on those. If you'd like to take those home, we'd like to get those into your home. So please do that this morning at either of the exits out of the atrium. You'll see the boxes for that. We can get those to you. We have a men's event coming up, next catalytic men's event on January 29th. So men, <laughs> I like that because what I heard when I said men was, <clears throat> which speaks men. Right? That's just, get, never mind. Anyways, register this morning for that. We'd like you to be there. We want to know how many stakes we need. So uh, make sure you check that out online or at the kiosk or on the website or in the app or those kinds of things. And then the last thing to mention is that um, if you are looking at giving this morning, we like to mention it every week. A lot of us do that electronically. It's set up to reoccur, so it's easy to forget. So if you're looking at doing that this morning, maybe it's set up electronically. Now is a good time just to be mindful of that. If you don't have that set up electronically, you want to do that old school, there are boxes on both the exits on the way out. Sound good? Good enough. If you would do us a favor, we don't do this a lot, but maybe we should. If you would do us a favor and you're comfortable, if you'd stand up, say hi to someone around you, give a high five or a fist bump or whatever makes you feel good, then we'll continue on in worship. New Year. Hey, um, before I jump into the message, I want to uh, share some news 
that's exciting news and sad news kind of at the same time. Uh, the week before Christmas, uh, Chris Carter, who just did mid-service for us, our Connections Minister, let me know that he's accepted a position with an organization called Marketplace Chaplains that provides chaplains for businesses and corporations. He's going to be their new director of operations, leading a division of Marketplace Chaplains in Southern Michigan. And he's gonna have an opportunity to take the church into businesses, into places where the church might not otherwise show up. Um, because people who are in business need Jesus too, amen? Yeah. Uh, Chris and Emily plan to continue to stay here in DeWitt, to live in DeWitt, to be a part of the North Point body, um, but he's going to be stepping off staff on February 1st. That's going to be a significant transition for us. Um, Chris has been a part of the staff for 11 and a half years, and he's, he has really helped lead the church through uh, lots of difficult chapters um, uh, during that time. The cool part is this, though. Um, you know, we just did this Experiencing God study that we went through last fall talking about seeing where God is working and joining him there. Chris has had a heart for chaplaincy for a long time. He's served as a volunteer chaplain for the DeWitt Police and Fire Departments uh, for both the township and the city. He's, uh, he's been investing and training additional chaplains to serve in those areas. And while we feel the loss here at North Point, it makes a, tons of sen- a ton of sense for in God's kingdom to release and bless and encourage him to minister outside of our walls. Um, so I would encourage you, pray for Chris, pray for us as we work through that transition on our end. I'm confident that God has something really good for us as well. Hey, Carter, don't leave yet. Chris! He was sitting, is he going to stick his head back in? He's gone. I was going to have you just express your appreciation to him. Um, He's got a couple more Sundays that he's going to be on staff and and we'll uh, do something special on that last Sunday in January for him. But... um, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. The applause is for him, but it's also for God, because God's the one who manages all stuff. And uh, so let's let's just pray right now. Um, Lord, we don't like change. Um, we like things to stay the same, but we trust you, and we know that change is what allows us to trust you more and um, to grow our faith in you. God, we ask right now uh, just that you would bless Chris and Emily, that you'd bless Chris in this new work, in this new job, and that you might use him to reach hundreds and thousands of people um, who desperately need your touch. And, um, and God, that you, would, that you would raise up the right leadership for us within North Point and that, that we would sense your hand in that whole process. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, we start a new series of messages today called Always Hustlin'. It seems like if you're on social media at all, it seems like there's, there's ads that come over and over and over again that talk about the, with this side hustle and only three hours a week, you can earn tens of thousands of dollars. Anybody seen those? They're everywhere, right? We talk in Financial Peace University about, about when you're in debt, finding a side hustle to make some additional money to pay down that debt. 
As a salesman, if you're out in the workforce, you're always hustling, always trying to get that sale, always trying to achieve just a little bit more. Sometimes that concept of always hustling isn't about finances at all. It feels like you just have to hustle to meet the obligations that you have, to pick up your kids from, from their job or from their activities at school. That you have to hustle to just find a time to go to the grocery at 10 o'clock at night to get the stuff to fill your refrigerator. Um, it, it seems like you have to hustle, that you're always hustling to get the car in the shop or get to the dentist office or whatever it is. Um, if... if uh, it, it seems like there's always something on the list that needs done and that, that should have been done three months ago or nine months ago or two years ago, you know, and it's still on the list. We're always hustling. This series talks about putting things in place, about bringing some order to our lives, not just because it makes life easier, but because that's the life that Jesus modeled. Jesus, in spite of the tremendous responsibility that he had, he was not always hustling. He was doing everything at just the right time in just the right way. And that's how he has called us to live. As we start this new year, I want us to try and get to the root cause of why we're always hustling and to look at a few truths that can be game changers for us and that can turn a life of hustle into a life of harmony for us. The, the, let me just tell you, the, the bones of this message and a little bit of the muscle of this message as well comes from a, a message that I preached four years ago right about this time of year. I, I say that without apology because many of you weren't around four years ago and so you haven't heard the message. Um, others of you have been around for more than four years, but you need to hear it again as well. Because this is something that we all need to do, need to implement, need to come to grips with. This message in particular is about, um, it, it's about how we handle our money, which gives new meaning to that title of the series, Always Hustling. Because some people think the church is always trying to hustle people out of their money, Right? That's the perception, that preachers are con artists that are kind of running a scam, that they're trying to guilt people, or uh, they're promising things that they can't deliver. They're always hustling, but not in a good way. If that's where you are and that's what you think, just stay in your seat, okay? Don't, you know, don't get up and leave at this point in time. Can I ask you to leave? No, I'm not talking to you guys. Okay, you're okay. You're okay. Oh, you're making some more space. That's okay. If you're watching online, somebody just got up. It's okay. It's okay, it's okay there. If that's where you are, if that's been your perception of the church, can I just ask you to listen with an open mind this morning? Um, maybe you'll never come back because you think the church only, only wants your money. Or maybe, just maybe, you'll contemplate the reason that it seems like you feel the need to be always hustling financially and that what you hear this morning from God's word may begin to put some things in order that can change the way that you live. Um, the things that drive your finances have a mind of their own and they can become a monster that owns you. Those things are not what you want to build your life on. They're not the most important things in life. Amen? 
Um, as many of you are aware, this past Monday, in the first quarter of the Monday night football game between the Bengals and the Bills, um, the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, threw a pass to T. Henderson. Henderson cut across the middle of the field. He was tackled by, uh, by the Bills' um, DeMar Hamlin. And in a freak accident in a moment, Hamlin's heart stopped beating there on the field. Uh, on national television, millions of people watching. Watching the coverage became kind of a surreal experience uh, as professional football players walked around in a daze and others began to weep on camera. Spontaneously, football players, professional football players began to kneel and pray. As the, as the announcers tried to make sense of what they were seeing and the seriousness of the crisis, they too began to talk about the need to pray for Damar. The coverage shifted to the network studio where TV, TV personalities sat trying to find the right words to say as they talked about praying for Damar Hamlin, for his family. On Tuesday on ESPN, on the show NFL Live, Dan Orlowski, who's the ho one of the hosts of the show, he's a former NFL quarterback who was drafted by the Detroit Lions in 2005. He's also a follower of Jesus. He said this, I heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer, and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but it's just on my heart to pray for DeMar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head. And I'm just going to pray for him. And he did, on air, with millions of people all around the world watching. Orlovsky's not a pastor. He's a football analyst who's a disciple of Jesus. He didn't do it to further his career or to draw attention to himself. But because when we experience crisis, when we don't know what to do, we turn to God. We long for someone who is greater than ourselves in that moment. This is what Orlovsky prayed. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad, we're angry, we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort Damar. Be with his family to give them peace. If we don't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamblin's name in your name. Amen. Last night, if you watched the NFL game, before the game between the Titans and the Jaguars, both teams came together on the field to pray together. I think there has been evidence this week that everyone, even the most hardened, when faced with a situation that is out of their control, turns to God in a crisis. Why do I share that this morning? I share it as a word of hope and encouragement. When people around you are hurting, don't hesitate to pray for them. Right there, right then, out loud. In a situation where a solution can only come from God, Talk to him and know that your friends want someone who knows him, who has a personal relationship with him to talk to him on their behalf as well. How's that fit with this series about always hustling uh, where we're talking about finances? 
It's this, I'm convinced that many of us are either in a crisis or dangerously close to a crisis with our finances. We've bought the lie that money is how we measure success in life. That being able to spend our money however we want is our right. That extending, that overextending ourselves financially, that that's the best way to enjoy life here on earth. What I want to share this morning will help you deal with that crisis, will help you potentially avoid that crisis. What I want to share is a key truth from God's word on how to handle our financial resources that we are entrusted with every day. Take out your Bibles if you have them. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to read five verses from Proverbs 3. I'm going to start in verse 5 and read down through verse 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He will make, uh, and he will make your, uh, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Trust in the, the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a foundational part of today's talk, today's message, but that's not what I'm gonna talk about. That's not, that's not where the message is going today. Fear God and don't be wise in your own eyes. That's a, a part of the foundation as well, but I'm not gonna develop that this morning either. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of what you have. That's what I want to challenge you to do today. First fruits, what's that mean? What, uh, we don't, that, that's not a phrase that is a normal part of our language. It literally means that when a harvest was gathered, that the first part of the harvest that was gathered was given back to God as a sacrifice. That, uh, that, that for people who care for livestock, that when their animals gave birth for the first time, that that firstborn animal was given back to God as a sacrifice. It was placed in his hands for God to do with whatever he wanted. Here's the concept that I want you to get out of, out of this concept of first fruits. What matters most to us in our lives moves to the front of our line in, in uh, how we handle our finances. When we make a purchase and our money is tight, whatever is most important to us is the thing that's going to be paid first. If you don't want to be evicted from your house or you don't want your home to be foreclosed, you're going to pay that mortgage bill first, right? If your car is critical to your life, you're going to make sure that that bill is paid on time and paid in full because you don't want that vehicle to be foreclosed, to, to be repossessed. If you're going to college or your child is going to college and you don't want them coming home to live in your basement, right? You're going to pay for their tuition, their room and board before you take a cruise to the Caribbean. Whatever's most important moves to the front of the line for us. That's why God said to bring an offering of your first fruits and give it to him. It's both a biblical pattern that we find in scripture and it's a command that he gives us as well. God doesn't want to be second place in your life. 
He doesn't want to be an add-on. He doesn't want to be something that you fit in after everything else. He doesn't want to be at the back of the line. Um, when, when God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites after they had left Egypt, the Ten Commandments start with these words. God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You will have no other gods before me. He wants to be at the front of the line. That concept started at the beginning of creation. Genesis 4 says, in the course of time, Cain brought forth, uh, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favor. When God was given instruction to his chosen people on how to live as they came out of slavery in Egypt, he said, Exodus Exodus 23, bring the best of the first fruits of the soil, what you, what you raise, to the house of the Lord your God. In Jewish law, in the, in the Old Testament law, nine different times, it mentions bringing the first fruits back to God. Giving the first fruits wasn't just an option, it was a command. It was something that God called his people to do. Why did, why did he do that? God didn't need it. God had made everything around the world. He wasn't creating busy work for the Israelites. He did it because they needed to be reminded that everything that they had came from God. Every animal was born because of God's design. Every fruit tree that bore apples or peaches or cherries or oranges was because God had created them. Every harvest of corn or beans or tomatoes or wheat happened because God supplied the soil and the rain and the sun. The concept of giving God the first wasn't limited to crops and livestock, though. Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. He was saying, dedicate your kids. Give your kids back to me. A few verses later in, in Exodus 13. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with lamb every firstborn donkey. If you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In the Old Testament law, the firstborn had to either be sacrificed or redeemed. Think about that in relationship to Jesus as God's firstborn son for us. While bringing your gifts to God is not a law for us, it's not something that we have to do to be accepted by him, that concept carries through to the New Testament. Giving is a natural, loving response to God because of who he is and because of what he has done for us. When we give back to God, our attitude matters immensely. At Christmas time, a present can have a tremendous financial value, but not really mean much if it's just given because somebody has a lot of money to be able to give it an expensive present. Instead, something that's, that's really, really small, that's given from the heart, that's given out of concern for the other person, can be a much, much more meaningful gift. You know, I, I, can't, I can't remember... Any gift that my sister-in-law gave to uh, any of my kids except one, it was at a time that she didn't have any money at all. 
and she wrapped up a pack of gum for each of my kids to give to them. You know, it, it wasn't the amount, the, the, the cost, the expense. It was about what motivated that gift. Um, it's interesting to me that scripture uses the language of bringing rather than giving when talking about our response to God. Exodus 23 says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe, the one-tenth, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. Giving, giving is not the same thing as bringing. When we give, we're in control. But when we bring something, we return it to its owner. Is, is that just semantics? Eh, maybe. But if I loan my car to someone because theirs is in the shop, what will they do when their car is fixed? They'll bring their car back to me, right? They won't say, oh, Rick, I want to give you this car. They're bringing it back to me. When we give, it's at our discretion. When we bring our tithes and offerings, we're simply returning what we have already been given by God. Our attitude with our offering matters. Is it ours or is it God's? Do we give grudgingly or lovingly? Are we generous or miserly? Why is this concept of bringing the first of our income to God so important? Because bringing the first fruits of our labors, the first fruits of what we have, it exercises our faith. Hebrews 11 says this, by faith, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. It's the first of the year, right? So right now, every gym is packed. Why do people go to the gym? Because exercise builds muscles. And exercise creates a healthy body. Why does it make sense to have the first item of how we spend our money, to, to have that to go back to God? Because doing so exercises our spiritual muscles. Exercise creates a healthy body for us spiritually. It can be a really scary thing to give to God first especially if your habit has been that, that you give after everything else is paid, you give what, what's left to God. It can be really scary to give to God first an amount that's greater than you had anticipated. But let me, let me just tell you, it's a scary thing. Some of you are living this out right now. It's a scary thing to go to the gym and to exercise when you haven't done that for a lot of years. You, you think, oh, how am I going to do this? What's my body going to do? What's everybody going to think? Putting God at the front of the line means that there are some other things that are going to get moved farther back in the line. Maybe some things that are going to be eliminated. It may mean that you don't eat out as much. Or it may mean that you scale back some of your vacation plans. It may mean that you choose to use your credit card less. It may mean that that hobby or that activity uh, doesn't get quite as much time, quite as much attention, quite as much money as it used to. But what will you be trading that for? What will the exchange be? A deepening relationship with God. 
a deepening dependence on him, a closer relationship with him, maybe even a more grateful heart. Um, a, a couple of quick final thoughts in this message. Don't miss this. God's giving, God's giving moved you to the front of his line. When we talk, when we talk about moving God to the front of our line, when God gave, he moved you to the front of his line. The things that are at the front of the line are the things that are the most important to us, the most valuable. Do you know that when God sent Jesus, when God gave Jesus to humanity to live among us and to die in our place, he did it because you're at the front of his mind. Romans 5 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still unclean, while we were still in desperate need of redemption, Christ died for us. At our most miserable God made a way for us to come back to him. It may be hard for you to believe, but God's giving demonstrates the value that he has placed on his relationship with you. This whole idea of first fruits, he has modeled for us because of his love for us. Uh, I mentioned the title uh, for the series, Always Hustling, can have that negative connotation as well, that the, that the church or the preacher is always trying to hustle hardworking people out of their money. When a preacher talks about giving to the church, it's because the preacher or the church just wants more money, the staff needs a raise, cost of upkeep for, for the facility continues to grow, all that stuff. Here's what I want to tell you just very clearly. Guilt-driven giving is not biblical. There's not a model in scripture where God makes us feel guilty so that we give back to him. Never in scripture is, that, is there that sense that people should feel obligated to respond back to him. Love is the motivation for that. On the contrary, Jesus praised the faith of the widow who trusted God with her sacrificial gift of all that she had. David talked about the, the need that he had to sacrifice in order to be able to worship God. The early, church was pray, the early church was praised for giving to meet the needs of people. Um, let, let me just be absolutely clear. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty this morning about how much they give or they don't give. I'm just trying to teach a biblical principle that I think can turn our lives around. It can change the way that we approach our finances. It can deepen our relationship with God. If God is first, everything else will fall in place in our lives. If not, there's going to be chaos and there's going to be crisis. There's going to be a need to hustle, to always hustle. There's no legalism in this, no guilt no peer pressure, our givings between us and God. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul wrote, wrote this to the church in Corinth. Everyone should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want to I kind of finish the message today by bringing up a friend uh, on stage to just be a part of the message. So would you welcome right now, Trisha Fish to the stage. You're good. 
This is Trisha. This is me. <laughs> I, I love it. It says just a regular kid. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how old are you, Trisha? I am 15 years old. 15 years old. What's, a f what's life like for a 15-year-old? Well, I am the youngest of seven, so it's crazy, um, and I'm quite busy between school and I dance a lot, uh, and it's, it's amazing to see how God is using me. And you have a job. Yes, I have two jobs. One as a nanny for a family of three. They have three kids. Well, no, they have three kids. Uh, the ages of the kids are three, five, and seven. I never have a dull moment. But, <laughs> uh, and I also teach at my dance studio. I teach toddlers and seven-year-olds. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so you're 15. Yes. Take, take your kids. You've got a job. Mm -hmm. How does a 15-year-old spend their money? I put 60% of my money into my savings. 30% goes to whatever I want. And 10% goes back to God. That's pretty crazy, right? Um, so, again, just so we're kind of processing this, you're 15 years old, you got a job, you're making some money, 60% you put away for the future. Yes. 30%, what do you spend your 30% on? Well, I kind of have an issue spending money on myself. I get worried about it, uh, and I'm so young, so I have to remember that I can spend money on myself, give myself an award, because I do work really hard. So whatever I think I'm So what do. kind of stuff do you do? Do you buy clothes? Uh, yes, I buy clothes. I buy whatever comes to my mind. I'm like, I want this. <laughs> Got it. But, and 10% you give, you give back to God. I bring it back to God. Ah, nice. <laughs> well, well played. Well played. Yeah, you bring it back to God. And you do that consistently, right? Yes, I do. Um, the, uh, let me see, what other kind of questions did I want to ask you? Oh, um, I, I wanted you to just get to know Tricia a little bit um, because I know for many of us, we think, ah, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I can give, I don't think I can tithe. I, I don't think that I could give above what I'm given right now. And here's a 15-year-old kid who's doing that. Um, and that's, that's just really, really cool. Um, the, uh, uh, let's just talk for a second. How, how did you end up at North Point? My friend Anna invited me for Easter. Um, uh, yeah, Easter service. For Easter. And you began to come. Yes. And, um, and then what'd you do? And then I brought the Wyatts here. Yeah. Wyatt's are over Wyatt's there. Wyatt's are over there. They came more, with me. They're more friends. And then, um, and then in August, what happened? I got baptized. Uh, so if her face looks familiar, she was baptized at the beginning of August, which is a really, really cool thing. Um, real life examples, real life stuff. I, I just want to encourage you. Many of you are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. And, and have struggled with how to handle your finances. Trisha's, Trisha's at a place that, that um, making this decision now lays a foundation for the rest of her life. It's the most normal thing in the world for her to give. It's the most normal thing in the world to bring your gifts to God 
And, um, and so that's why I wanted her to share and just be a part of the service. Would you give it up for Trisha? one of my favorite people. Um, lots of joy. Um, let, let, me, let me just share um, what Paul wrote to Timothy, some words that you may have heard before. Paul said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an, set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Um, you know, the, uh, I think I've told you before, I'm a football fan. Um, the, this week with, with DeMar Hamlin, it's just been such an interesting thing to me to watch what happens when people face crisis, when, when people see it firsthand and how they respond. Um, God works through the middle of crisis and, and to me, this past week has been an incredibly encouraging reminder because we think, oh, everyone has turned their back on God. Nobody pays any attention to God at all until there's a crisis. And then once the crisis hits, everyone looks to God. I know it's the beginning of a new year. And for many of you, you're thinking, man, I spent way too much money on Christmas. I've got all these bills. I've got all these obligations. I've got all this stuff. I don't know what to do. Um, I, over the next several weeks, I want to try and help give you some tools. But the foundational principle is this. When we put God first, everything else falls into place. Because when we give God that place, it automatically begins to filter some things out. That doesn't make it easy. It does, you know, digging out from, uh, from a financial mess is not easy, but putting God first begins to help you see with perspective. It helps you see that God is faithful and that he will walk with us through that crisis. God won't fail. He will walk with us when we put him at the front of the line. Let me just finish again with Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In everything, submit to him. He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't try and figure it all out on your own. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled, with over, filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
salvation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.